go. Here we go again. I'm Jim Gray. Hey, Tommy, how you doing, bud? Doing great, Scratchy. Great talking to you. Good to talk to you, too. All right, big win uh, against the Falcons. Uh, nine and three, you're putting yourself in position. Um, what stands out to you about, about your game this week? And, and, and as you now embark on, I know you don't want to talk about it, but everybody else is, so we will, too, uh, another Super Bowl run. You will. <laughs> don't say we will. You will. We are. I will we defer just did. to the moment. <laughs> Damn it. You're not learning from me. I uh, I think it's fun to be playing meaningful football in December. And uh, you go on a road against a division opponent in the NFL. And I know I always say it's hard to win a game. It's hard to win a division game on the road the second time around. And, uh, Can I interrupt you a second? Because Dan yeah. Campbell said that yesterday in a real emotional speech yeah. to his team and the Lions. And he was in tears when he basically said it. It's hard to win a game in the NFL. And, and I heard yeah. you I heard you and him. Yeah, it's true. It's um, The competition's really tough, you know? And I think when it's going good, you could take it for granted, probably like a lot of things in life. Every time we win a game, I feel like, wow, holy cow. You know, it's almost, there's no do-overs. That's the thing. There's no do-overs. This isn't acting. There's no second take. This is live. This is in the moment. And there's so much at stake for all of us. And not, it's not the winning and losing. It's that's, yeah, that's important. But it's the, there's a lot on the line for individuals, for coaches, for families, for fans, for everyone that follows you, you know, and you feel that expectation, you feel that pressure, you feel that anxiety, and you don't want to let people down. You don't want to let your family down because you know they're all watching. You don't want to let your friends down because they're all watching. You never want to let your teammates down because they work with you. You don't want to let your coaches down because they trust you. You know, you don't want to let the organization down because they're backing you. So when you win, it's such a relief because you think, man, for that week, we did it. And um, it doesn't matter whether I was 22 or 44. That feeling is the same, you know, and I think it's a motivator, but it's also part of you. That's like, you got to figure out how to do it again the next week, because for as important as it was winning, okay, it's Sunday night, the game's over and you've got the clocks ticking on the next week. So then you got to put it back in the tank. Somehow you got to get back to the, studying and the recovery and the rest and then ultimately the preparation the studying the the revival and then bam you have the performance and no one cares about what happens in between the week you know you can't say hey we had three really great days of practice and uh by the way we just sucked on this on game day <laughs> so it's just it's those three hours that are in the moment that are a relief for everybody. And I think when you win, there's jubilation. And when you lose, it's the opposite. And you know, there's probably not much in between. You'd always love to see yourself ascending. And I think when you get to this point in the year, there's some teams that have put themselves in a good position to climb the mountain. And we're one of those teams. And there's other teams that, you know, they, they couldn't figure it out in time and they're probably not going to make it. You know, and there's a couple teams in the middle still trying to figure it out. So they're important because you put a lot into them and they're important because everyone puts a lot of investment of uh, of what we're doing into them. And we want to we want to do our best. And it doesn't always go that way, but it's not from lack of effort or uh, from lack of will.
And how would you feel today if you were a Raven? And Harbaugh goes for it, shows a lot of confidence. And then as we've talked about so many times over the years, you got 22 guys on the field and it literally comes down to an eyelash. In this instance, a fingertip of Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. And they don't win. And now the division's wide open as opposed to slamming the door shut. Yeah. And the margin of error is as small as ever. And especially this year, there's no teams that have run away with anything. There's so many teams in the mix, so many teams that, in, in a way, it's really what the NFL wants. It's every game means something. And uh, with five games left in the season, nobody, nobody really has any idea of of what the final outcome may be, which, you know, creates a lot of theater and drama and as it should. And, you know, when you're on the, when you're in those games and the eyelash doesn't go your way, man, you feel like nothing went your way. And when it does go your way, you feel like everything went your way. And it's probably always somewhere in the middle because the margin of error is super small and one or two plays or five plays may change the difference. And um, changing one, one game in this season is going to mean a lot. I and mean, that's the reality. You're going to, some team's going to be a high seed. Some team's going to be a low seed getting into the playoffs. And you're going to look at these eyelashes of, of wins and losses that mean so much to all of us. And when you're a player and the coach shows confidence, let's win this right now. And you'll put it all on that one play as opposed to several plays that would go on in an overtime session. And then you have to live with that decision that wasn't your decision because of that eyelash or that fingertip. Mm-hmm. How is that greeted by the people who are the underlings, the players, the people who had no choice in that? Um, how, how is that taken? Because this can change and alter the fortunes of the entire team. Yeah, but somebody's got to make that decision. And it's got to be one person. You can't have, you know, 10 people weighing in with, you know, 30 <laughs> seconds left on the play clock. There's, and that's why they call him head coach, because there's a hierarchy in sports. You know, you don't have the defensive tackle come over and say, hey, this is what we should do. And it's, you know, typically, you know, not the receiver. Maybe the quarterback could have a little input over the course of the week. But at the end of the day, it falls on the head coach to make the decisions. And I think as a team, the important part is to do what the coach wants you to do. You go execute what's to be called. And, you know, there's a hierarchy to a lot of things, and that's the way it is. And when the coach does it and it goes well, the coach is rewarded. And when it doesn't go well, the coach is not rewarded. And when it doesn't go well for the players, the players aren't rewarded. And when it goes well, they are. They are. So at the end of the day, it's a, it's, it's a very small line between winning and losing. And winning and losing is, uh, it's why we play to win and lose. And it's it's better to win than lose, but it's better to lose than not be a part of it. So. That's that's the challenge. I'm Jim Gray, along with Tom Brady. Let's Go is brought to you by GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Now online in Michigan and New Jersey, play your favorite online slots or table games like Blackjack, Roulette, and so much more with over 700 games to choose from. Only at GoldenNuggetCasino.com. A lot of good things happened yesterday, particularly with Chris Godwin and, and yourself, Tom, uh, and the team and the defense and so forth. Uh, but... Uh, you had a pick six right there uh, at the end of the half, which kind of bodes well for our next guest um, because it talks about 
the mental aspect of the game. Marlon Davidson takes one in, and you're standing there, and you got to pick up the pieces, pull the team together, and it's something you obviously don't want to happen, but there you have it. How do you recover? I love that you bring up the worst play of the day, and uh, and we make a moment, which actually is important because um, as bad as that was, that really forced us to regroup and figure out okay, now it's a competitive game. Let's see how we do in a competitive situation. And if it goes bad and you learn from it, it's real positive. And I feel like the positive was we really regrouped. And, uh, and now we're much more attentive to those situations going forward. And um, we're, gonna, we're just going to recall that. And we're going to do a better job as we move forward later in the year when these games become even more and more important on a daily basis. I bring out the worst because it brings out the best in you. That's why, because we can learn from something. You want me to just talk about all the gravy? We can talk about all of your records all the time, and you'll say, quit talking about me. I don't want to talk about all of my records. You're right. You're right. You know, it's also right this time of year, and all year round, is Morton's The Steakhouse. It's a special place to celebrate a special occasion. Ask Tom Brady Sr. Morton's is the prime place to take someone special for that perfect steak and unrivaled dining experience. He loves that place. And Mastro's. He's there all the time. You should join him. Visit mortons.com for reservations. Tom, there's a huge game on Monday Night Football with the Patriots, your former team, against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, It's for first place and to be leading now uh, in the AFC uh, in the playoff standings. You have the Bills coming in to Tampa on Sunday. How do you approach watching this game, and do you feel there may be a lot to be able to learn from Bill Belichick and how he will put this together that you may take and use next week? Yeah, a lot to learn from, obviously, every game, you know, especially the last game um, that a team plays, which will be tonight for the Bills going against the Patriots. And it's kind of a hard-fought late-season division game. You're not holding anything back at this moment. So you're going with the things that you really believe in. And if you believe in them, in the moment, this is where you got to be at your best in these moments. So we're going to see that the best that the Bills have to offer, and it's a good thing for us to really be studying because this is going to show kind of how they feel, where their strengths are, and where they lie, because you're not going to go into a game and experiment on a bunch of new things tonight. You're going to go with what you think's best against, as we all know, one of the great teams in the NFL, the Patriots, that, you know, that typically do the right thing all the time. So it should be a great game to study. As you now study the Bills and prepare, does it help that you have 20 years of institutional knowledge of having played them twice a year, or is it meaningless? It's very helpful for me. I mean, I was in that division. I feel like I know those players well. It's actually when I pulled out the scouting report today and I saw the players, I go, I know him, I know him, I know him, I got him. You know, I played against him. You know, I remember all the players, the matchups. I know the scheme. This is a really well-coached team in the NFL. They were in the AFC Championship last year. We were preparing for them had they beat the Chiefs. There was a lot of scouting things that were done because they were were going to be potentially in the Super Bowl had they beat the Chiefs last year. So I have a lot of familiarity with the team, the organization, the coaching staff, and uh, they're a really well-coached team. They're a really hard, tough team. They're playing in the Northeast. You're going to see that game tonight is played in 20-degree wind chill. You know, it's it's going to be cold. It's going to be bitterly cold. It's going to be hard football tonight. So I got a lot of respect for this opponent. And I know after playing 
playing those guys for 20 years, there's nothing easy about playing the Bills. But um, I'll be excited to watch tonight, and I'll be really excited to take the field next Sunday. All right, as we continue with Tom Brady, Let's Go is brought to you by USAA Insurance. We're dedicated to helping the military community protect what they've worked hard for with insurance that meets their high standards. Get the coverage you deserve. USAA Insurance. USAA! Tommy, uh, let's turn this back to your favorite rival, Peyton Manning. Uh, He's now an adjuster for the Madden ratings, and he kind of took a shot at you. Uh, over the week, saying that your rating's just a bit too high. And uh, it's the first thing he's going to fix. Got a response to Peyton lashing out and taking another shot from the uh, broadcast booth and from the sidelines? It's amazing. He's got all these new jobs. He's got the Manning cast, now a ratings adjuster. And the problem is I'm on the receiving end of a lot of these uh, new jobs that he's got. I go on the Manning cast, I lose. And now here I get downgraded. I don't know how you downgrade me. It's like he's downgrading me as a player. It's like having the Joker install like brakes on the Batmobile. I mean, what is he? That's not fair. That's not fair. This guy's been my rival forever. It's all right. I mean, at the end of the day, and I say it, I saw a little bit yesterday and usually every week in, in the, uh, in the stadiums, haters are going to hate, but you know what? Peyton's going on my naughty list this year. So it's going to be tough for him to overcome that. Sorry, Peyton. And speaking of haters, uh, we're going to take one fan before we go to our guest, very special guest coming up, Sad Guru. And it comes from Kyle Plant, who says, I think it's funny that Tom Brady has more money than God and a supermodel wife and connections to the most powerful people in the world, yet every Sunday he puts on a little costume and helmet to play outside with his friends. That's so, so good. So good. And so true. I might have more money than God. You know what, Scratchy? You might have more money than God. I don't think God has any money, though. But why does he need money? He doesn't need money at all. He's If he did, maybe he'd be buying NFTs. <laughs> I mean, You've got an NFT drop with an autograph tomorrow. That's probably going to sell out in about six <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I hope so. Add to the the average fan has a few dollars. Do they, are they going to need some of God's money? <laughs> no. They got more money than God, too. We all do. We're waking up each day. Life is good. Much more right here of Let's Go, a very special guest. Sad Guru joins us with Tom Brady right here on Sirius XM. Hey, it's Brian Dunseth, former Olympian and current Sirius XM FC host. Do you need more than your average recap of the weekend in soccer? Sorry, America, but it is the biggest sport in the world. Well, look no further than Weekend the Tackle. This podcast is all about stories we want you to know, from the most important on-the-field moments to the lighter side of the beautiful game. You were jumping up and down like a lunatic. That's seven beers before the game for you. It's all on Weekend the Tackle, available every Monday, wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, included with most subscriptions. Welcome back to Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray along with Tom Brady. Let's Go is brought to you by Ring. Protect your house like the best with the award-winning Ring Alarm security system. Score a special offer on a Ring Alarm today. Go to ring.com forward slash let's go. That's ring.com forward slash let's go. You know, I've been thinking about this for the past four days, Tommy. Uh, 
I really don't know how to introduce our guest. Uh, he's somebody who inspires everybody every day uh, that comes in contact with him and his work. Uh, the reason that we're having him on, because I know he inspires you uh, on the mental yeah. and spiritual and emotional aspects of life. So, Tommy, uh, why don't you introduce our guest? Absolutely. And I think it's uh, obviously a great privilege for me to have a friend of mine said, Guru, come on and talk a little bit uh, in this um, in this aspect of life that, that I'm going through and I found, you know, I've gotten a little bit older and I'm still playing a really intense physical sport. I'm so attached to my physical body, how it feels every day, how, what I need to do in order to get it prepared every day uh, for my particular career, the mental aspects of my job and knowing what I need to do and how I need to accomplish those things. But so much what I enjoy about you, Sadhguru, is the emotional um, balance in your life and how you just have so many amazing perspectives. I think you're an incredible communicator of some really difficult, difficult subjects. And um, No, I'm talking only one subject, Tom, just life, nothing else. I've never spoken anything else. <laughs> you know what? Absolutely right. And I think the amazing thing is you always seem to have a different 99% of people go in one direction and you always seem to have an amazing perspective on the other direction. You know, people think thing may, you know, in sports, we feel terrible when we lose a game in the end, it doesn't matter. You know, so much of what's happened over to this world in the last year and a half, you seem to find the right perspective in dealing with those situations. And I think there's an incredible humanity to you. Um, there's amazing resolve. And, uh, you know, we'll get into a conversation, but thanks for coming on. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for having me, Jim and Tom. Sadhguru, you know, you have been able to counsel literally a billion people around the world, uh, particularly in your native India, and now you've spread this globally, uh, about taking complex things and simplifying them. What advice do you have for people in their everyday lives, particularly sportsmen and sportswomen who might be listening to this show, to simplify their lives? Uh, <laughs> one thing is don't listen to other people's advice. This is very important. This doesn't mean you don't take uh, any contribution from people because who we are today is the contributions that our parents, teachers, friends, enemies, all sorts of people have contributed to our life. I'm not saying don't take it in. But uh, do not seek advice because advice means advice you have to follow. Listen to everything in the world, everybody, whatever they're saying. But above all, now uh, because you're in sport and this kind of sport, which is, uh, as Tom said, very intensely physical, the first and foremost thing is you learn to listen to your body. You must... One important aspect of yoga is you learn to listen to every cell in your body. This is very, very important. People... most people don't understand what this means. If you really listen to your body, your body has more intelligence than a trillion brains put together <laughs> because what every cell in the body is doing... See, we, you call something as mind, only if it carries a certain amount of memory and a certain amount of intelligence. Just look at every cell in your body, how much memory it carries. A million years ago, how your forefathers looked, how their skin quality was, still you carry that. 
well, you might have forgotten your great-grandfather what they look like, but maybe his nose is sitting on your face. I'm saying the memory that every cell in your body is carrying is phenomenal, and the complexity of activity that's happening there is also phenomenal. So there is intelligence in every cell in the body, but people have stopped listening. They're only listening to their thoughts. We must understand our thoughts are a consequence of a limited data that we have gathered. How much data your body has, how much data your mind has, if you look at it, the mental data is very small compared to the physiological data that your body carries. Right from the amoeba, the whole evolutionary process, in some way, your body remembers every day, every moment. So if you learn to listen to your body, you will conduct most aspects of your life like a play. Without, when I say play, not Tom's kind of play, that is, uh, uh, <laughs> when I say play, playfully, rather. <laughs> and uh, you could do this playfully if only you tapped into the deeper intelligence of this body. When I say deeper in intelligence of this body, see, even if you eat a piece of carrot, a carrot doesn't look like you, smell like you, taste like you, taste like you but it becomes you within a few hours. That means there is an intelligence within this which can make a piece of bread into a human being, make a piece of carrot into a human being or anything into a human being. So, when I say a human being, as the life exists on this planet, this is the most complex and sophisticated machine the uh, nature has produced on this planet. So, from a simple piece of bread to the most complex, in a matter of four to five hours, it happens. So, there is an intelligence like this within the body. We must learn to listen to that. That is the most important thing. If you listen to this, everything that you ever want to know about life is right here because this is life. So much is attached, Sadhguru, to outcomes in life and outcomes in sports and not being able to achieve your goals. So when you physically have exhausted yourself, yet there's mental disappointment. How do you deal with it? And also, how do you deal with the success of that so that that doesn't become excessive? you essentially asking when to quit. I think usually the situations themselves clearly speak to you when to quit. <laughs> Very easily the situations will speak to you about being excessively attached to the result of what we are doing. See, one important thing that we need to do is this, which unfortunately, particularly Western societies, today almost everywhere, but particularly Western societies, are too committed to the goals. Mm -hmm. See, what is most important is the process. Mm -hmm. Right now, what you're doing right now, this process, being devoted to this process is most important. If you are absolutely devoted to the process that you're conducting right now, you will do it to the best of your ability. And the result will happen depending upon with whom you're playing and what is happening, all right? The only thing as a human being you can do is, were you at your best or not? You cannot determine how the opposition will play. You cannot determine whether somebody is better or less than us. The only thing you can make sure is, you are at your best. If this has to happen, you have to be devoted to the process, not to the goal. I must tell you this, I was uh, in India and somebody was asking me, Sadhguru, World Cup uh, cricket match is coming, how do we beat Pakistan? 
<laughs> I said, don't try to beat Pakistan. If you want to beat Pakistan, you must engage Indian Army. Your business is to hit the ball. Just hit the ball. Who the hell is throwing it at you, it doesn't matter. You need to hit the ball and make it go where you want it to go. Don't try to beat Pakistan. But there was so much emotion about beating Pakistan, well, the Pakistan thrashed Indian team. Though Indian team was billed as a, the number one team in the tournament, they crashed out in the early stages. Because uh, if you're trying to beat Pakistan, there may be many other reasons, I'm not trying to give a commentary on the game. But I'm saying, you don't try to beat the opposition. You do what you have to do, you get the ball to the goal, that's all your business is. Somebody will keep the score, somebody will declare who has won, that is not even your business. But players are too much concerned about this. In this, in many ways, they are doing less than what they could do. If we do not do what we cannot do in our lives, no problem. But if we do not do what we can do in our lives, that is a disaster. So this disaster has to be avoided means you must be dedicated to the process. You must refine the process that you're doing to such a point that it is at its best. So if we are conducting what we are doing right now absolutely well, the result will be good. Why should you bother about the result? It'll anyway come. Results, see, everybody wants to win, but everybody does not win. Why? Because somebody plays well. It's as simple as that. I think what Sadhguru, an amazing part about that is, when I look at my career and it's been 22 years and I've... I, the moments for me aren't... The winning is a byproduct of the, the journey and the process that we've been on to try to accomplish the goal. There's only one team that can accomplish the goal, but it doesn't mean that if it doesn't win that year that it's a failure. Because sometimes when I've spoken about you lose the most important game in the NFL, which is the Super Bowl, well, that ends up being some of the great motivating factors in your life too. Because in the end, you don't want to work really hard and come up short, even though you do from sometimes because the competition is very tough. Refining the process is ultimately what's important. And getting a good process, not only for a football team, but for what makes a family or for what makes a company or successful business, a lot of those processes are the same. And I think the curiosity and in, in learning and humility and discipline and commitment to each other and caring about one another allows for, you know, expansion and synergy between groups of people. You know, I think people, teams that I've been on that don't go well, people are concerned about themselves. You know, I feel like in sports, it could be families or business. You think, do I care about the people and do I care about what our mission is? And if you do those things, you make for a great teammate. If you don't, you're a lousy teammate because all you really do is care about yourself. And I don't know in too many aspects of life when you care about yourself that things go well over a period of time. They might, but in the end, when you struggle, you're not going to have many people that are there as teammates to pull you out of it, to say, hey, I really care deeply about you and I want, I want to see you succeed. In my career, I want to see people maximize their potential. I've realized my dreams in this sport and career. I have other dreams beyond football of just, you know, throwing a football my entire life. I do have a little sickness in my brain that just loves watching that ball spiral through the air as I throw it and it connects with my target. I mean, there's a real feeling of joy of when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old and I was playing for nothing and I was playing on the streets and we were drawing up plays and those moments that I had growing up, I still think about those today. And that's where I'm at when I'm on the field with my teammates. But I think the actualization of my potential and seeing my other teammates do that, that's a really exciting part of the process. And I think that's the biggest motivator 
more so than winning and losing is that we do things the right way. And if we did things the right way, then usually I'm very content doing it. How do you bring out the best in people, Sadhguru? What triggers that that frame of mind and that emotion? Uh, you know, like I was conducting a, a, a program, a two-day program for one of the top most... Uh, uh, multinational companies, which is, uh, oh, you know, based in America, but I was doing this for the Indian part of their company, one of the really on-the-top kind of company. So, twenty-five of their top executives were with me, and I had nine volunteers who were working with me to make this program happen. Our volunteers are always on, day or night, they're on doing what they have to do. So, <laughs> this is a company, they're always looking for attrition. They look at these guys and say, Sadhguru, where do you get such people? I said, you don't get such people, you got to make… <coughs> you got to make them. Then they said, how do we make them? I said, you have to make them fall in love with you. They said, how do we do that? I said, first you have to fall in love with them. They said, oh, they don't pay us for that <laughs> <laughs> So this is the whole thing. If people around you have to function at their best, to their limits, and also stretch beyond their limits, they must love you, it's very important. <laughs> Otherwise, they will never do their best. So if they have to love you, you have to be unconditionally so with them, not because they're going to do something for you, simply that's how you are. Because of that, everybody will do their best. So as you know, Isha Foundation is a volunteer organization, over 11 million volunteers part-time, and over 5,000 uh, full-time volunteers. Nobody is paid for, they spend money from their pockets and work and travel and do everything. Uh, people always ask me, you know, we're doing business events and these business heroes, I said, Bro, how do you manage to make all these people work like this and you don't even pay them? I said, <laughs> see, you guys are picking people off from the top universities and getting the best people, offering them higher and higher salaries. I work with people, whoever comes, most of them are dropouts from school <laughs> I know that there is every human being has variety of geniuses hidden within themselves. Will you help them to unpack that? Or will you, you know, will you suffocate that genius in a human being around you? If you want to unpack that, the most important thing is they must feel very strongly loud, to… to be loud beyond what they think they deserve. Yes, because every human being needs to be loved. If you create it, and above all, the pleasure of loving is yours, it's not theirs. <laughs> Being in love with everybody around you, whether they get it or not, you are having the pleasure of loving everything that you see. <laughs> it's almost like uh, you always want people to care about you and then the, you know i'm in a locker room full of people from all over the country you know all over the united states all different ages age 20 to my age and then coaches and you think if you want respect you give respect to everybody if you want people to care you care about them if you want love you better love you better love everyone and that's you know you can't expect to only res feel respected and then not give the respect you know, it's a difficult lesson, especially when people have difficult challenges growing up and there's a lot of trust issues, you know, people didn't necessarily have a 
you know, wasn't fortunate to have an upbringing like, like very far. I was had great parents that allowed me to, to learn so much, to be curious and everything was so unconditional, you know, and I feel like uh, in a situation I'm in around a lot of different people, you know, some people come with uh, survival mechanisms built in and those survival mechanisms are tough to break down because they were part of their survival, you know, growing up. And now there's these tremendous athletes and they're, it's a, it's a, they're held up in such high regard in our country, you know, for their athletic accomplishments. And at the same time inside they're facing difficult challenges when they walk off the field. And, um, and that's part of the emotional aspect. I always talk to people about, you may have the finest physical specimen, you know, someone that was meant to be this incredible sports star, but they never maximize their potential opportunity in sport because some an emotional aspect, they have a very difficult time getting to an emotional place where they can feel the joy or they only can experience it for small amounts of time. And I feel like if you want to maximize your potential, you got to take care of your physical body. You've got to know what to do. And then emotionally, you have to be able to be, um, emotionally, you have to get yourself to a very great place and great's different for everybody. For my, myself, I know what that means. If I can say something on that, Tom, say we may have great competence, great capabilities, maybe super intelligent, everything. But all these things will work against us if we do not have the necessary equanimity or balance. Above all balance, you're wobbling. I know your ball wobbles. <laughs> if you don't have a round ball, it wobbles. But as a human being, above all, you don't wobble. There is balance. Once you have balance or equanimity within you, your physical, mental, emotional, whatever capabilities you have, they all find full expression. If there is no balance, the same things which are your prowess will turn against you, will create so much problem for you. Uh, this is the most important thing. Unfortunately, modern education systems have not done enough yeah. to bring this balance in a human being. Without balance, so much of human creativity, so much of human capability and competence is going waste, creating trouble for ourselves and everybody else around us. This is something that especially sports people must focus on, but every human being, young people, must be brought to some sense of inner balance. This is most important. What does inner balance mean to you, Sadhguru? Can you define that for our audience? The inner balance will only happen when you determine what your thoughts and emotions will be. See, right now, somebody can say pretty things to you or somebody could abuse you, but will they decide what happens within you? What happens around you, you can never determine hundred percent. Even if you are with your family, just two people, still hundred percent you cannot decide what happens in your home. To some extent, if you have fifty-one percent control, that means you have the controlling stake. <laughs> hundred percent you I never don't. have. <laughs> Tom is giving up. <laughs> Me too. It's a, it's okay because I have a good. I, the one who has fifty one percent is pretty good, so I, I I allow her to make all the decisions. So uh, the thing is, uh, what is around us never happens hundred percent our way, but what's within us, our thought, our emotion, our body, our energies must happen the way I want it. The reason why this is not happening is 
you are always thinking external situations will create the inner situations. No, inner situation is independent of external situations. Right now, it is uh, enshrined in the constitution of this nation, you're in pursuit of your happiness. I'm saying, why are you pursuing something? This is like, I will tell you, this is like a potato farmer <laughs> who went to pluck an apple from a tree. He went there under the tree, but he didn't look up, he started digging the ground. And uh, if he digs very hard, he'll uproot the tree, but he will not find apples. So this is our problem. We are thinking to be happy, we have to do something in the world. To be peaceful, we have to do something in the world. To be joyful, we have to do something in the world. No, to be peaceful, joyful, loving, blissful, these are all experiences within the human being. All human experience is generated from within us. If we take charge of the seat of our experience, then what we want is happening within us. If you were determining, if any human being, if they were determining what should happen within them, I am hundred percent sure they will create the highest level of pleasantness for themselves. But I must tell you my story. <laughs> Shall I tell you my problem, sir, Jim? Yes, <laughs> sure. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Why not? Everybody was, else does. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I was twenty-five years of age, one day I'm in the middle of a whole successful business process. I'm successful in everything that I'm doing, so people are clapping their hands, I'm fine. But one day I just sat on a rock and uh, suddenly I did not know which is me, which is not me. What was me seemed to be all over the place. I had my eyes open and I thought it's only ten, fifteen minutes, but uh, four and a half hours passed away. In that, I didn't know that that much time went away. One thing I noticed was every cell in my body was dripping ecstasy. Literally, I'm just overwhelmed with ecstatic feelings. I've always been happy and peaceful, that has not been an issue, but this was something totally new. So to the closest of my friends, when I tried to talk, something is happening to me. They said, come on, what did you drink, what did you pop, this is all they could ask. <laughs> so there was no context around me or within me to tell me what was happening. In about six to eight weeks, I came to terms with this, that I have hit a gold mine for sure, and I discovered that if I don't mess with my mind, if I just simply sit here, I become ecstatic within myself, absolutely blissful. Then I thought, this is it, who wouldn't want this? And I made… sat down and made a plan. On that day, the world's population was 5.6 billion people. I made a plan in two and a half years' time, I'm going to make the entire world blissful because who will not want this? This is it, I found the magic of life. Then look at this, nearly forty years, look at me <laughs> You're saying I touched one… over one billion people, yes, but this is the story of a failure. And I always tell people, please be… understand this, it is great to be a failure because this means you have not set small goals for yourself. You set that kind of a goal you can't do in ten lifetimes. And even if you fulfill ten percent of that, you've done wonderfully well. You… you put up some childish kind of goal and do that and say, I won, I won, I made it, I made it. I think it's a very limiting way of doing things. I would ex want everybody to set up their goals in such a way that you can't fulfill in this lifetime. But you take a couple of steps in that direction, that's fantastic. So I'm destined to be a f failure, but I'm a blissful failure, no problem.
you know, so many athletes and people just in their daily lives always are in review of a failure that you just spoke about, and it haunts them. So they're living in the past, or they're looking ahead to the future as opposed to staying in the now. Uh, earlier in the program, I brought up something with Tom that he didn't like because he thought I was pointing to what was his worst, which is actually what is his best. How do you get over something immediately, which he is very good at, when it doesn't go the way he wanted it to go or prepared for it to go, but he immediately dropped it and moved on to the next play because there was a bigger goal ahead than the problem that had just occurred. What do you take and what can people take from you of living in the now and not always being haunted by something that they didn't do well? You know, in this country, it has become a chant wherever I go, everybody repeats this thing, be in the moment. I ask them, what kind of teaching is this? You do one thing for me, be somewhere else and show me, can you do it? Can you be somewhere else other than being in… Uh, in this moment? Can you be somewhere else? It, there is no such thing. You can only be in this moment. So essentially what people are saying is, do not think about the past, do not think about the future. We must understand this. To arrive at this level of cerebral capability, it took millions of years of research and development. You can call it evolution, but essentially it's research and development. If you look at it closely enough, evolutionary process, so much has happened, development has happened, and many times evolution has made mistakes and made corrections, and here we are as the most complex life on this planet. So right now, what is it that human beings are suffering? They are not suffering their life. They are suffering the most important two faculties which meet, make humans so distinct from other creatures. This is, we have a vivid sense of memory which makes our life so rich. If this vivid sense of memory was not there, what is your family? What is your life? What are your achievements? What are the things you've done? It would be nothing if it's not in your memory. Because there is such a vivid sense of memory, our lives are rich. And with this memory, we have a fantastic sense of imagination. Because of that, we have done so much on this planet. Well, all of it unfortunately may not be very conscious and it might have created trouble, but human ability to do things cannot be put down. So right now, human beings are not suffering life. They are suffering these two faculties. They are suffering their memory or they are suffering their imagination. People can suffer what happened ten years ago. People already suffering what may happen day after tomorrow right now. So this means they have nothing to do with life. They are suffering their own faculties, the prowess of their faculties. If we remove half their brain, they would be free of this suffering. But unfortunately, unfortunately, a full brain is becoming a big problem. To arrive at this level of cerebral capability took millions of years of work and now we are suffering that. How is this? This is very important because our schooling systems are always about how to take charge of this and that. The most important thing is to take charge of this one. To take charge of this one, that this has to be taken charge of, especially for athletes. What is it that they're trying to do? To take charge of their body and mind, isn't it? This should not be only for sports persons, for every human being. One important part of the schooling should be how to be in charge of your faculties, how to make sure my body 
my mind, my emotions, my energies are not in my way, they're working for me. If they were working for you, why would you suffer your memory and imagination? People are only suffering their memory and imagination, they are not suffering their life. I think so many of these systems are set up, they're just on repeat too, you know, those cycles. I think I look at my career, right? 22 years, there's not anyone that's played my position at my age. And, and I think the only way that I've been able to do that is to do things. Uh, you're still looking like a 25-year-old. Uh, I wish. I Come wish. Trust you me. are. <laughs> I just shaved. So I was very, um, I came Why'd in you touch. you grow a beard like that, Tom? I just shaved my mind was great, you know, because I'm around 22 year olds at uh, 22 year olds all day. And I got to, you know, I don't want my gray beard, but I love Sadhguru's beard. That's a, it's, it's, it shows a lot of wisdom, but you know, I had me, <laughs> I had to do things very differently. And I saw that the way that athletes were educated about how to take care of their physical body, because when I looked ahead at all my idols, all the guys that I, when I was younger, I looked up to them as athletes and I thought, wow, those guys are amazing. You know, they, they got to play a sport that they loved. And, and, um, and I saw how they were in their later parts of their life, their bodies were uh, in, in tough shape, you know, because what we do is very physical. There's a lot of ankle problems and knee problems and hip problems and back problems and neck problems and arm shoulder problems. And I came in contact with a guy who's my best friend. He's like a brother to me now. And we started working together 15, 16 years ago. His name was Alex Guerrero. Jim knows him really well. And he taught me a different way. And it was the antithesis of the way that 99% of people take care of their bodies. And they were, it's my belief, people really want to work on being healthy and allowing their body to maximize its potential, except they're not doing the right things. And the education of how to take care of your body is actually very wrong. Yeah, when they very, would say, yeah. when they would very say, wrong. take care. <laughs> yeah. When they say, take, you know, make sure you rest. Sometimes it's, let's be more active. When they said, you got to go and get really strong. And to be a great athlete, I would say, no, I want to learn how to relax my muscles to create the balance. Um, a lot of the techniques that were given to me when I was younger, they were wrong. They, were, they would never allow me to be 44 and continue to play. And I think what I recognized in that I had listened to all the authority figures, the quote unquote doctors or the physicians, and they were giving the wrong advice. You and always must, when people give advice, you must always look at them. Has it worked for them? <laughs> I look, I know. And I think it's, it's, the, it's the best point you're making. And I think you, we sometimes we're just repeating behaviors. And I feel like when I see someone like you, you don't repeat behaviors. You sat back, you have a consciousness about you, whether it's planting trees or whether it's making people aware of, of soil regeneration. You know, I think you're, ta you're, you're tasked with a big goal and, and nothing keeps you from trying to achieve that big goal. I have my own personal goal of, you know, trying to teach and educate people on how to treat their physical bodies uh, in the best possible way in order to allow it for the best potential in whatever they want to do in their life. And it's something that I can try to inspire by my action of being a 44-year-old athlete. And beyond that, and for the next 44 years of my life, hopefully, I'll be able to take the lessons that I've learned and allow other people to have access to that, that information. Because I feel like if I don't do it, it'll, it'll go away. And I think that's why I gained so much inspiration from you. You've learned 
And I think your way of communication is, is so fascinating. You do such a great job communicating. It doesn't matter whether you're speaking to whoever at one of the big conventions that you go to, or, you know, people that you probably speak to on a day on a daily basis, you're, you're just an amazing person. And, um, so How Tom, do you become... there, is, there is one aspect of yoga, one dimension of yoga, which uh, mm, unfortunately in the West, people have not even heard about it. It's called Angamardana. Angamardana means to master your limbs. Uh, people ask me today, even uh, I think uh, yesterday somebody was asking me here, Sadhguru, what do you do for your fitness? Do you walk every day? Do you do this? Do you do that? I don't that do was any me. of them. Oh, that was you. I'm so sorry, Jim. <laughs> you already forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> I've been uh, reading your book, so uh, I've been engrossed with what the questions that you asked others, so I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, well, we are uh, talking to the goat, Sadhguru, so... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Go ahead and continue your thought. I'm sorry. So this Angamardana is uh, something... From the age of uh, probably 15, 16, I kept it up for almost maybe uh, nearly 20 years. And after that, uh, the, my life schedule has been such a way, in a day, a busy day means 14, 16 hours, I'm sitting in the same place. I don't even get to work, I don't get to play. I've always been a very sporty, I'm not an athlete like you, but I play some game, whatever, at least throw the frisbee around a little bit. This is my… been my way, but in the last twenty years, I can barely do anything except a little bit of once a year, some trekking or something. So, uh, the only little exercise I get is uh, a golf game, <laughs> but I'm not doing anything. But even today, compared to many people who are half my age or even much younger to me, I endure much better. I could easily… there was a time I could easily go three nights without sleeping, and uh, just be active, nobody would even notice that I have not slept. Even now, going without sleep for one night is very much uh, easy for me. I do it almost any other… any day, it can happen for me. But I see people just collapse like that, there is no endurance because there is no sense of mastery over the body. So this Angamardana is something that we are planning to bring to United States. We will start a academy in our center and also in Los Angeles because I feel the way people are treating the body here, they think if it's all bulging, it's great. Even for your game, I, I mean, I'm not an expert on the game, uh, but I would feel somebody who is agile and quick yeah. is far more important than somebody who is bull strong. They're yeah. important in that first place where they're pushing each other, yeah. but uh, agility, precision <laughs> and, you know, precision of action is far more important than yeah. uh, just being strong. Yeah. Can you explain Absolutely. why you're such a good golfer? You've never had a lesson. You've never <laughs> been to a practice tee. You have, <laughs> you pick up any set of clubs wherever you are. Uh, you, you go out and can shoot in the 70s without any real, you know, ability to practice because of your time constraints. But more importantly, you don't want to practice. How, how does that happen? I saw it, by the way, I saw it firsthand. We played, I took him to the country club where they're hosting the, the U.S. Open this coming year. And he's a hell of a golfer. Very impressive. <laughs> Hits the crap out of the ball. No, you, you're just destroying my negotiation with Jim. 
strokes. <laughs> We're going to play at Riviera this coming week. So oh, tell me how this is that you can what be so good at this game. See, uh, I mean, I'm not uh, belittling the game for you to be a professional, for you to be a Tiger Woods or somebody else, uh, or an Arnold Palmer or Gary Player. That takes a life of dedication. But to hit a sitting ball in a simple game that we are playing for uh, our pleasure should not be a problem because any other game you play, the ball comes at you at different velocities, different speeds, different spins. You know, those poor guys who are catching the ball that Tom throws, you think it always goes straight? He does the best that you can do on the field, but still, that guy has to catch it. Sometimes he's wobble, sometimes it comes straight. There are various things because it's not just him, there is wind, there are aspects which are beyond yeah. you. So, this is a different thing, but this is a sitting ball. I used to play field hockey where there was only one ball for 22 of us. Everybody was trying to grab that one ball. Now I have a ball of my own and it sits in one place and it gives me all the time to hit it. Why can't I hit it? <laughs> I, as I said yesterday, I think 70% of the golf game is in the mind and oh. I play only that 70%. 30% I never learned. <laughs> So, so, so every golfer will tell you that it's a game of inches, the most important ones in between your ears. Why can't yeah, they I conquer feel, what's in I between their ears? I've, I've noticed I've seen people breaking clubs on the golf field and <laughs> screaming at each other. And you will see all those terrible noises, you know, not always uh, sounds of ecstasy or many sounds of frustration, ha-hoo and all this. This is simply because... Uh, they don't know, they, they're in a compulsive thought process. I call this mental diarrhea. They have a mental diarrhea. In that condition, it's hard to hit a ball. <laughs> Sadhguru, it's been a pleasure for us to have you join us here on Thank Let's Go. Thank you very Go. much. Yeah. Tommy, you, uh, uh, why, don't you, why don't you take us out and uh, yeah. give our final thoughts to Sadhguru. We appreciate your time. Well, Sadhguru, is, I have one last question, obviously, and this is really important to me. As a, as a mystic and a visionary, um, do you see my team winning the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I, I, so I just want to say I must thank tell you, to, uh, Tom, I'm many things in life, but I'm not a <laughs> match fixer. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I've just got make a question sure you along the Jim. same lines. I've got yeah, I'm going to be there to watch your game and I'm with you. My best is with you, but I won't fix the match. That won't be nice, <laughs> isn't it, uh, Jim? <laughs> you know, you talk about the importance of the number 11. Uh, I'm wondering if you can count to 12, Sadhguru, because that's the number he wears. What's the importance of number 12? <laughs> 12 has been a good number for me, Scratchy. It's, it's great for completion. And it's great for... Energy and excitement. I brought a lot of that over the years. That's what Tom is. One dozen men put into one man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one dozen mistakes put into one man. Well, thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, Thank you. Thank we you really look forward, look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. I think uh, yes. for the for the about 10 days On from that now. That day, you have to play your best because I'm going to be there. I will do it. <laughs> I won't let you down. 
Thank you. Thank you. How many strokes do I get on Wednesday because of this? How many? What are you giving me? None. Kick his butt, Sadhguru. I'll tell you. He's, <laughs> you'll love that. It's a treat. It's an amazing course. Uh, I wish I was out there with you guys. That's Sadhguru. Uh, you can follow him online, and there is just so much to learn from him. Tom, uh, your thoughts on what we just heard. It was so great to have him on. And um, there's so much perspective he has, and I think someone who comes from another country and traveled the world trying to make a significant difference in the world and leaving, spending his time and energy trying to leave a lasting legacy and impart on people a really deep consciousness that he has about taking care of our planet, he does an amazing job of that. And he's touched so many people in a simple way. And you could tell by the conversation, the communication, it's so clear. I think the most important aspect for me is no one can control your mind. You know, no one should have the power over you to, to impart any type of reaction from you, positive or negative. It's up to you to control what comes out of you. It's not mastering that. It's just understanding it. And I think from my standpoint, someone who's very much a pleaser, always trying to do what's right by everybody. Understand that you just do the best you could do every day. And he's doing that. And that's a great inspiration for me. Well, that's the goal. How do you get to that? It's a daily process like anything else. If you want to be a great football team, you got to work on the right things on a daily basis. If you want your body to perform a certain way, you got to do the right things on a daily basis. If you want your relationships to succeed, you got to work on them on a daily basis. You don't take things for granted. And if it's a priority, your actions reflect your priorities. Your choices are a reflection of what your freedoms are. And um, I try to make the right choices. I really try to, in my mind, create the right priorities for me. And I let my actions reflect those. I don't think you just, things happen. I think you kind of make them happen. And it's up to us to make the things happen in our life we want. And the way you can do that is to take an incremental step. Just be better tomorrow than you were yesterday. And with that, Tom, we wish you well. We'll jump a little bit ahead. Wish you well against the Buffalo Bills, and we will talk to you next Monday night. Thanks, Jim. Can't wait. And any athlete will tell you that it helps to work with an expert. For buying or refinancing a home, your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, number 3038, licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. If you missed any portion of our show, you can log on to Let's Go with Tom Brady. It's a podcast available wherever you stream your podcasts. Subscribe today. Please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can also interact with the program by emailing us your questions to letsgo at SiriusXM.com. Jim Gray and Tom Brady right here on Let's Go. Our program is brought to you by FTX. Download the FTX app right now and get started in the crypto game. Thanks to our great producer, Dave the Snake Hagen, production assistance by Harris Fabishoff, and to our sponsors, Morton's, USAA, Ring, United Wholesale Mortgage, FTX, and GoldenNuggetCasino.com. I'm Jim Gray. Let's Go Podcast with Tom Brady was produced by 199 Productions in collaboration with Scratchy Productions. We will talk to you again next week right here on Sirius XM. Sirius XM Podcasts.